Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Hartib and Lothian Football Club and also now dedicated to goal machine, striking sensation and hat-trick hero Craig Whiten. Joining me, Laurie Dunsire, on the Craig Whiten podcast is Mark Donaldson. Hello. How are you? Did you see that? I'm good. Did you see that coming? No. Um, I was obviously hopeful that he'd get on the score sheet, given another opportunity. But um, 24 games without a goal, you don't expect three to come along in one match. But maybe that's just what he needed. Yeah, third goal was good. Really good. Um, looking back at the penalties, uh, I, I was I was commentating yesterday on Ukraine-Spain. So I had it kind of on in the studio. I shouldn't have done, but I did. But you know what it's like. My full focus wasn't on, on the Hearts game. So I watched it back. Um, yeah. If, we'll talk about them. Gonna... We'll talk about yeah, the yeah, yeah. I, Don't get yeah. ahead. You so, always like to get ahead of things. I, I, I always like to get ahead of things. Um, so, so two penalties and you're thinking, yeah, well, fine. It's two penalties. I'm, I'm glad he got the third goal as well because I know, I know two goals would have been good. But when you're going through a rut and you haven't scored forever... And, and you get two, you'll be happy, but they're both penalties. The third one's the one that I'm sure you'll really think, yeah, I can do it. And I'm pleased for him. I think, I think most people of a maroon persuasion were very pleased with the moment they saw Craig White and get three goals, go home with a match ball. And yeah, hopefully more of the same from the Hearts striker. So this week on Scarves Around the Funnel, we'll be talking about the two games that have passed since we were last on. So that's Cowdenbeath away at the weekend. And then the home game against Wraith Rovers, of course, which took place on Tuesday night, which is last night at the time of recording. And we will look ahead to the opening game in the Scottish Championship season, which sees Heart of Midlothian host Dundee in a grudge match on Friday night under the lights at Tynecastle. Okay, so first up, Hearts travelled to New Bayview on Saturday. And Mark, why were Hearts playing at New Bayview? <laughs> the game wasn't in Kirkcaldy. <laughs> uh, the game wasn't in Cowdenbeath. No, it uh, was not. Flooded, flood, flooded, apparently. Yes. Still. Flooded, damage from flooding meant that Cowdenbeath could not play at Central Park. So they made the trip along the road to play in Methyl. And uh, we'll quickly listen back to what happened in Fife at the weekend. Well, next time Janelli gets a ball, he should maybe try coming inside a wee bit rather than going on the outside all the time. Corner whipped Mixed in by Freer. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and there is the opener. Another good delivery from Elliot Freer. And Craig Halkett, just as he did last season, away to Cairnbeath. Bullets ahead are in. And the Jambos finally have the breakthrough here. Cowdenbeath nil, Heart of Midlothian one. Okay, so starting with the team for Hearts, just two changes for Robbie Nielsen um, for this game following the 1 0 victory over Inverness in the first match in the Betfred Cup Group A. He stuck with his 4 2 3 1 formation for the second consecutive game, but with Andy Irving called up to the Scotland under-21s. He was unavailable, and Craig Whiten uh, dropped out as well. Uh, Jordan Roberts came in. Not too much surprise about that. But um, I would say considerable surprise about the other player that came in, which was Scott McGill, uh, an 18-year-old central midfielder, given his first appearance in the senior side. Hearts went with... Uh, so as I mentioned, a 4-2-3-1, Gordon and goals, Brandon, right back, White, left back, Halkitton, Popescu in the centre, Ollie Lee and Scott McGill in the holding midfield roles, Josh Ginelli, Jamie Walker and Jordan Roberts, the attacking three and up front, Captain Stephen Naismith. So I guess first up looking at the team, Mark, uh, obviously a surprise to see Scott McGill in there, but in terms of beyond that, Pretty much the team we spoke about, the team that fans were looking to see at the moment, which was Walker in the 10, the wide men in Janelli and Roberts out wide in their respective right and left natural sides, and Stephen Naismith actually being played as a number 9 rather than in the number 10 role. So on paper, I suppose, most people would have been fairly happy with that. Hard to be a bloody good side on paper, wouldn't we? 
Because on paper, <laughs> last season, we would, have won, yeah, we would have won more than we lost last season on paper. This season, on paper, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, the performance wasn't good, though, was it? No, it was not. But I just mean, you know, people call for a certain thing. And um, not that Robbie Nielsen would have been picking that team because people called for it. But he picked a team that most people would have said, yeah, that's what we want to see. Um, I think there's a few things to go through here. One, I'm going to I'm going to throw something out there. And I actually meant to mention this last week. It was a great bit of trivia. I did retweet it at the time. I don't know if you spotted it from Heart Stats. Um, I obviously mentioned in commentary that Craig Gordon was playing against Cowden Beef, where he actually was loaned to and spent six months at 19 years ago now. Um, but it's something I would have uh, never uh-huh. realised until Heart Stats uh, tweeted this. Craig Gordon this... played against Henry Smith Henry twice. Smith, yeah. I mean, That's that, incredible. It's That's mental. the kind of stat. You know what? I mean, I know you put all your... Uh, your prep work and everything like that on. And I know you had issues in the first 15 minutes with connection out with your and heart's control. I get all that. And I think it's interesting for, for people when they get a little bit of a look uh, at, at different preps from different prep from, from different commentators. And we can all get as many stats as we want. And it's so easy to over uh, to, to have an overflow. And you just, you just include as much as you've got because you've done the research. That's not the way that commentary works. There's always one or two little nuggets, and you think to yourself, "Wow, I'm glad he, he said that." Or I'm, I'm, when you're doing your research, I'm glad you found it. Um, that is a that was a phenomenal nugget because no no one else is even going to think of that. And Craig would have known about it, um, but it's not something that would have it would have kind of. There's no. When would, um, you, when would he throw that out co- there? Correct, to, yeah. co- correct. So outstanding outstanding nugget of information yeah and it was heart stat so I, and I obviously i tweeted that and i mentioned to, i think he'd actually read my prep when i posted it and said he noticed it was in there um but just super yeah two games when craig gordon was at cowden beath um when cowden beath took on clyde bank and henry smith played at the opposite end for clyde bank and um <laughs> i think it just sums up how long craig gordon's been around that he that he played against henry smith yeah twice, but yeah uh, plus in Clyde Bank, no more. They they indeed, were the first indeed. team. Well, they were the first not team in, I ever... yeah, not the same Clyde Bank, but they're correct. They're back correct. Um, they were the, the first team I ever um, I ever reported on against oh, the yes. Bramlin in the thirtieth. Can of, you send me that again? Um, I can play that. <laughs> yeah, feel free. Here here is my first ever radio report. It's it's not been touched. The audio has not been touched. The pitch, <laughs> you may laugh. The pitch has not been touched. This was. When the balls were still this has not been up. sped. This has not been sped up. It's not been sped up. It's not a 33 to a 45 or anything like that. This is my first ever report. Kilbowie Park, 30th of March, 1996, when Clyde Bank played Dunfermline. Dunfermline, they had a very, very difficult match this afternoon against Clyde Bank with a full-time score, Mark Donaldson. Final score here at Kilbowie Terry, it's Clyde Bank 2, Dunfermline 3. The Bankies took the lead after 78 seconds when Kennedy slotted the ball past Westwater, but after a few near misses, Stuart Petrie snatched the equaliser in the 13th minute. A snapshot from Andy Smith was well saved by Gary Matthews, but Petrie was on hand to knock in the loose ball. This finished the scoring in the first half, but seven minutes after the restart, Mark Miller fired an unstoppable 30-yard shot which put Dunfermline 2-1 ahead. The Pars looked content to hold on to the lead in a midfield tussle ensued. They were shocked, however, in the 78th minute when a magnificent shot by Kennedy looped over Westwater to even the scores at 2-2. It was intense stuff now, and two minutes later, Mark Miller hit his second and the Pars winners from the penalty spot after Petrie was pushed in the back. The Dunfermline survived a few scares in the last ten minutes, but managed to hold on to their lead. A well-earned three points for the Pars, and they stay at the top of the First Division tonight. Could this be their season? Final score here at Kilbowie Park, Clydebank 2, Dunfermline 3. Wow, that's... um. <laughs> We're all going to start somewhere. No, it's it, it, it's it's fine. It's it just doesn't sound like you. That's the only amusing thing. Well, okay, let, let's let's rewind a little bit here. Nineteen ninety six, right? I was I was uh, I was a week away from my nineteenth uh, birthday, so I was eighteen years old at the time. Now, thankfully, you don't have to go back as far um, to remember when when you were nineteen twenty years old. You must have said we all sounded a lot different, but you sounded surely a little bit higher pitched, did you not? When when you were that age, I, I don't know. It's you hard to have. say. Everyone, st- everyone stands up here and then. <laughs> yeah, I just, here I just get high pitched when I get excited. You know that. 
Yeah, but there's a there's a different there's different ways um, for for commentators. When you get excited, and you you have a goal or whatever. I mean, the four. I look back at at some of the commentaries I did at Hearts, and some I'm proud of. Others I cringe at. Others I'm critical of, and and of things I've done. But I think the one thing I'm I'm pretty proud of is I don't think my voice ever it never deviated too much. When I got excited or whatever, there was never a kind of your voice breaks down. You know what I mean? Because it is, it is our tool and it is our job. So I find if I do two games in a day, by the end of the second game, if I've had two games and there's been lots of goals, my voice is knackered and there is a tendency for it to it to break down. You can't quite hold that note, um, for, for want of a better word. But it's it, it's not easy. But I think when you were that age, there must have been, I mean, what, what age are you now? Like 12, 13? <laughs> I'm, no, 30, are you th- I'm 34 years of age, Mark. 34, right? So that's 14, 15 years ago, right? Your voice, there's no way your voice was as, as deep probably, as it is. I'm not, probably not, probably not. But anyway, okay. we're, we're going off on a, an audio clip oh, tangent. That's a, an audio, another, an audio a new one. Tangent. Back to Cowdenbeath Heart. So I guess one thing in terms of, you know, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some points of the game. The plastic pitch... And Gary Locke, who was who was on with me when we eventually managed to get things working properly and fully in the second half, said that the pitch he felt was a big factor. Um, it's, it's difficult to play on. There's not much flow. It can be sticky, was his um, technical term. He said for it in terms of a playing sense. So that has to be come, come into it to a degree. I don't want to use it as a massive excuse, but it's not the easiest surface to play on. Right. Um... Craig Gordon's comments afterwards, because uh, I, I sent him a picture. Of, remember Billy Thompson? It might have been before your time. Billy Thompson was a goalkeeper at Dundee United in the 80s, had a spell with Rangers as a backup, but Billy Thompson rarely wore shorts. And you were going to go yeah. yeah. So I sent him a picture of, of, of the two of them. I said, a wee nod to the best Scottish goalkeeper to wear leggings, Billy Thompson. And he's like, no, this is the look I was going for. And then he, he sent me a picture of Gilles Rousset, um, he said, throwing it back to the 90s when Gilles used to wear black trackies. Um, do, you know, do you know who I think of? I think of uh, Gabor, is it Kirai? Oh, Kirai, former Palace Hungarian goalkeeper. Yeah, Gabor like, Kirai. Do you know he used to wear like dead. joggers, it looked like? Like grey jogging pants. Horrible, horrible. Um, no, I'll not go there. Um, <laughs> Craig, Craig Gordon, uh, was the pitch as bad as it looked? Absolutely terrible. So bumpy. The ball just wouldn't roll. We tried to kick it in behind them and try to win second balls. That was one of our tactics. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work. Um, it was just a... He, he's basically saying the pitch was, was atrocious. Now, I believe... Do we not have to play there again against the team that have that as their home pitch? Yes, we will um, play... It's got it so far away now, isn't it? Um, we'll play East Fife. Who, of course, that is their pitch, yes. and that'll be. It's almost a month away. The last game. It's, it's the oh, last really? Game. Um, with nine points, I, you know, I think we'll t- see a team similar to that, that, or even maybe weaker to, if you want to use that word, than the team that played Wraith Rovers, because we've got we'll have league games either side of it. Um, Just having a look at the other groups, because I think, obviously, if you win all four, you're pretty much going to be seeded. For the draw. Well, if we win, if we win uh, the group, if we win the group, we're fine. So you only you only need a point to guarantee that. Yeah, but that I'll we won the league last year, on. and we we never we didn't get seeded last year when we won the league. So, uh, Hibs three out three in Group B. St. Johnson, Dundee United. I think they play each other in the final day. I think from what Robbie Nielsen said about the Betfred Cup, I don't think he'll be overthinking the seeding decision if it comes to. He doesn't want to risk players in a plastic pitch, and we've obviously got league True. games coming up. So. I don't think I've seen Naismith um, playing in that game. I mean, no, I, I was surprised he played in this game. Um, yeah, I, and I'll, I'll use that as a I'll use that as a segue to to move on because um, it's one of these things. Now, are we a better team without Stephen Naismith in it? Because mm. right now we I'd say co- yes. Well, we had the conversation, didn't we, with Phil Hay a couple of weeks yeah. ago about is he undroppable? Um. <laughs> We need to find, and, and he needs to stick to his best position. We need to find it, and he needs to stick there because there's a temptation with Stephen Naismith but to want is to it? do Because it didn't much. work. It didn't work when he was the number nine. And so I, I know we're we're saying it was a it was a poor game overall in terms of the surface and the performance. But we played him in the ten. 
didn't look as effective as Walker. Played him as a nine. Obviously, that'll be Boyce's. Boyce will be the main guy for that position. But I actually thought, even before we get onto the game where White and got some goals, I thought White was slightly more effective than Naismith there. You know, not doing an awful lot, but just at least having some link-up play and making maybe the the striker-esque kind of runs. I don't know where where you play Naismith right now. I would put Naismith on the bench if you're asking me to pick our strongest team for a game, and I'd probably play Walker in the ten, and I'd play. White in our Boyce up front, you know, Boyce will still be my first uh, pick just now. But uh, yeah, of course. But when Boyce is unavailable, that's an interesting one. Um, you can look any way you want into when the camera panned, and, and I'm jumping ahead, but I'll, I'll jump back. Robbie Nielsen's kind of uh, supposed um, uh, whatever he said when when White got his hat trick uh, was it? Oh, does that mean I've got to keep him in the team? Uh, we we don't know. We, we don't know. <laughs> For those who haven't seen it, Mark is, Mark is referring to the fact that if you see, and a lot of you will have seen it on Twitter or, or whatnot, or maybe at the time when Whiten scores his hat-trick, which we will get to, um, the camera pans to, or actually just changes to a, a new shot, and it's Robbie Nielsen, and he's turning around to Lee McCulloch, and he's basically saying, fucking hell. <laughs> and it's sort of like, is he saying that as in, Fucking hell! What am I going to do now for Friday? Because how can I drop him? Or this is this is. But it was accompanied by the facial expression that that wasn't a facial expression of glee. No. And you know things can be taken out of total context. Um. And look, he'll know himself. He'll never admit what he actually meant. Yeah. He Um, could have been. He could have been saying, "Fucking hell, Lee! It's freezing out here." (laughs) You know. I don't know because he does. He does play around with a zip after it, but. (laughs) Well, maybe. Um. Look. How do you drop a player after a hat trick? And, and and I know we'll get on to to the 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 Wraith Rovers game as well, but the answer is where are we playing this one? Because when he's when he plays through the middle, there's a tendency if he's a lone striker, there's a tendency for him to drop drop deep yeah. and want to get more involved. So then you've got Janelli and you've got Roberts as as it was at Cowden Beef. There's there's nowhere for them to put a ball in because there's no one there. No, and you're asking Walker to. To maybe push forward a little bit. That's that's not where we want it. Overcomplicated so... things against Karen Beef because we started swapping them around, and in the first half of the front four, so I'm talking obviously uh, Janelli, Roberts, Walker, Naismith, all four of them played in each of the four positions at some point. We just started rotating them around, and I don't know if Robbie was just trying to mix things up, keep Karen Beef on their toes, but it was like we couldn't decide the best way to do it because it wasn't working. And with different players in different positions. And for me, and I'm not the football manager here, but it might be better to, to keep it simpler. I thought, for instance, I thought Roberts looked like he'd have more luck against the Cowdenbeath right back than Ginelli was going to get against the Cowdenbeath left back, who I thought had a really good game. Um, but he didn't get a chance to, I guess, keep running at him and keep testing him because it, it was rotated. And then you had suddenly Ginelli through the centre and he just looked out of place there. Um, and I feel like we were moving it to try and accommodate keeping Naismith in there, whereas maybe it would be simpler to just not have Naismith in the team right now. Not to say well, he's, he's going to be completely frozen out, but just because he's Stephen Naismith and on paper, you know, he is our club captain just now, and on paper he'll maybe be seen as our best calibre p- player, or at least the one with the highest prestige. Like we spoke about with Phil Hay when he was on last time, he shouldn't be undroppable, really. If he's not the most effective player out there, then he can't be in the team. And right now, I wouldn't have him in there. It's like the alternative song by Rodgers and Hammerstein. How do you solve a problem like Stephen Naismith? <laughs> I think if we had a four-four-two, that would probably be better for him, and that we'd, he'd be one of the two. Um, in attack with with more of a kind yeah. of yeah with, with more leeway to 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 roam, um, but in a four two three one you kind of need the players that certainly the the four front forward players you kind of need them to be a little bit more rigid than a four four two because you can't have your striker going for a wander. I always go back to the Eden Hazard when they tried to play him through the middle and he wanted to drift out wide left and he'd cross into where he was meant to be and. It's it's a difficulty. Yeah, you need you need a focal point up there, and we didn't really have that. I mean, we're not going to go into too much on the Cowden Beef game. Um, quickly on Scott McGill, I thought he he settled in really well for someone who was eighteen and thrown in. Um, I've seen his name before on team sheets, and I knew his name and the fact he was a midfielder. 
I'll be honest, before Saturday, that was where my knowledge ended. Uh, but I was quite impressed with how he settled into what was, I guess, a tricky, stodgy game against a well-organised, hard-working League Two side. You have 20 pages of prep, son, but if you've not uh, done prep on a player that ends up starting, that's not good enough. All right, well, this wasn't criticised Dunsire, OK? This was praise <laughs> McGill. <laughs> you put that out there. Um, he did well. He, he did well. And he, he would only have found out... Uh, I imagine Robbie would have told him the morning of because he only found out on the Friday night that Irving was um, being called up by the, the Scotland under-21s. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Irving would have played and, and Miguel wouldn't. So, did well. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to make a debut and give someone their debut, that's, that's not a bad game to do in, is it? And last point would relate to the goal, which, of course, was scored by Craig Halkett, who is fast becoming our most dangerous player in the opposition box as he was last season especially at the start four Betfred Cup goals last campaign um, good header winning the armband at that point but but what I was pleased with um, was Elliot Freer coming on and he whipped in a couple of good crosses and it's something we've really lacked not just from open play but especially from corners I've noticed and just it should be simple and it's one of Jimmy Sanderson's big gripes you've probably heard him moan about it numerous times he wants fines for players who who can't get a good ball into the box from a corner um, 50 quid <laughs> which I've I don't want to tell Jimmy that that's not really much these days to a football <laughs> <laughs> but back in his day it was a week's wage well, maybe it's, it's getting there in the championship <laughs> it is but um, but it was good to see because it was a couple of you had one delivery just uh, not long before it which um, almost created a good chance and that one headed in. It, it seems like a simple thing, but if you've got players like Halkett, who is good in the air, and Popescu, who's reasonably tall, I know I know, they, I know, they say now with stats, corners don't tend to lead to goals, but if you're getting double figures of corners in a game, which we have often been doing recently, you only need one of those to get that one crucial goal, and it proved to be the case on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, um, look, we've got wingers now. We we have options on the wide areas options. to deliver, but we options we we still need someone to finish them off. I think the three games so far can be easily summed up as thus: the results have been a lot better than the performances. And that's that fair. The, yeah, it probably is. But there's you summarising three, and we've only got past two. Um, which means we will move on. So following the 1-0 victory in Fife, Hearts would host a team from Fife at Tynecastle on Tuesday night in their third Betfred Cup game uh, against Wraith Rovers. And uh, we'll quickly listen back to what happened in that one. Craig Whiten's going to get the chance in his 25th Hearts appearance to open his account for the Jambos. Whiten against McDonald from 12 yards. Whiten steps up, scores, goes to the right, and the Jambos are up and running in this game already. Less than two minutes on the clock. Craig Whiten finally off the mark for Hearts from 12 yards. Jamie McDonald went to his right. But it went to his left, Whiting going to the right of the goal, nestled in the corner. Hart to Midlothian 1, Wraith Rovers 0. We'll take it, obviously. Second penalty, Whiting steps up. Same way, same result. 2-0 Hearts. It's a double for Craig Whiting, both from the penalty spot. Sent it to the right. This time Jamie McDonald did go the right way, but couldn't get a hand to it. Two good penalties, and Hearts, two to the good. Hart of Midlothian 2, Wraith Rovers 0. Dylan Tate, Duku in the box, left foot shot, what a finish by Manny Duku. And Wraith Rovers back in this game just after the 53rd minute. Ball slipped through from, didn't look like there was much on for the striker. But the big Dutchman makes it 2-2, two two, lashes that in on the angle, left footed into the top left corner. Hart of Midlothian 2, Wraith Rovers 1. What a finish that was from Manny Duku. There we go, when it breaks to Craig Whiten, now it could be a one-on-one -on -one for Whiten and Benedictus. Whiten driving forward, Whiten goes on the outside, goes past him, Whiten, chance for the hat-trick, great finish! Oh, superb from Craig Whiten! He puts the game to bed, two penalties, and now a super finish from the former Dundee striker. He got a little break in his own half, but from then on in, it was all his own work, he drove 
Mikhail Benedictus, the Dundee captain who's had a torrid night in Gorgie, went one way and then the other, skipped away from the Wraith defender and then stroked it home on his left foot into the right corner. Surely now game set in match and Craig Whiten, after 24 games without a goal in game number 25, has got three. Okay, so Hearts 3, Wraith 1, and we'll just take it back to before the game and talk about the team, because, you know, whilst a couple of changes against Cardiff Meath weren't too surprising, albeit one of them... You sounded were... like George, sorry, you sounded like George Burley there, he did that a lot, you know, but, you know, you know, anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a criticism. It just took me back. I was just like, I was back in in July, August two thousand and five. <laughs> there for a minute okay. when um when when we had okay okay yeah okay 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 I'll, I'll continue. <laughs> when we got the team news on Tuesday at Tynecastle, there certainly were a few eyebrows raised as Robbie rang the changes for this one eight in total. So Craig Gordon, Craig Halkett. Mihai Popescu, Ollie Lee, Josh Ginelli, Jamie Walker, Jordan Roberts, Stephen Naismith, all dropping out of the 11. And in came Ross Stewart, Peter Haring, Harry Cochran, Stephen Kingsley, Elliot Freer, Lewis Moore, and Ewan Henderson. So only three kept their place from the County Beef game. That was Jamie Brandon, A.D. White, and young Scott McGill. We all thought it would be a 4-2-3-1 with... Um, Kingsley at centre-back alongside Haring, albeit we were all looking for the centre-backs and not finding them when we first saw the team sheet. It uh, turned out to be slightly different, though. Um looked to be more of a 3-4-3, you might call it 3-4-1-2, with Ross Stewart in goals. A back three of Jamie Brandon, captain for the night, Peter Haring and Stephen Kingsley. Uh, Lewis Moore wide right in the wing-back role, really, and Eddie White in the... A corresponding role on the left with Harry Cochran and McGill in the centre. Elliot Freer supporting Ewan Henderson and Craig Whiten in attack. So first up with the team, Mark. I suppose one eye on the big game against Dundee, I think, for Robbie Nielsen, really. Just the one. Both. Right, Everything. Just that, full, you, full vision on that Yeah, game. that's why that team was was selected. I think there's a fair chance he's he's got his starting lineup in mind for for Dundee and the until, last thing he wanted. Until want. Whiten scored that third and that's when he turned to Lee McCulloch. <laughs> well, that's, that's what you're su- suggesting. Um, <laughs> who knows? We'll find out on, on Friday. Um, Stephen Kingsley. Yeah, we said when he signed he could help out if necessary at left centre-back and he did. I, I can only give my opinion here on, uh, on, on the team. I mentioned earlier I saw some of the game. I'll, I'll bow to your your kind of knowledge and, and wisdom from from what you saw as far as performances are concerned, but good for McGill um, who who kept his place. Obviously, Irving away on on twenty one's duty uh, and a nice chance to see Freer from the start and Henderson mm-hmm. and and Moore. Basically, an opportunity. Yeah. That, that's an easy team talk for Robbie Nielsen. Hey, you've got a chance now. Go and take it. Yeah, and and what I'll do, I mean, I'll talk about maybe how I felt the overall performance was. Um, in a moment, but I thought what we could do then is we'll, we'll go through some of the, the key talking points of the game, because obviously you would have seen them, so um, the game started at a, a decent pace for Hearts, won that free kick early on, and um, straight away free kick from Kingsley into the wall, and penalty given, now I didn't have to say it first, I didn't see it um, but when I saw the replay at the time I thought it was the right call with the way the hand was in the air from Benedictus, what did you think? The one that I saw and the Premier Sports put out on their Twitter account was the the angle which was the, the far away one, pretty much from um, behind Stewart's goal to the side, to the left-hand side, and it looked like at the other end. And as Michael Stewart said in commentary, it looked like it hit his back. Is there another angle that clearly shows that it hit his arm? Because that, that looks soft. Possibly. I mean, I guess that, that is the one thing... At the time, I'm looking at um, the replay on a laptop and a, a, a fairly small size. I haven't seen a... Uh, my first instinct was I thought I saw the hand go up and the ball hit it. Um, I haven't seen much of a better replay, so quite possibly 
not. I think it was just the position of the hand I saw was what made me think, oh, that's why he's given it. But quite possibly, it, it's frustrating. I noticed that with a couple of things in the game. There was the replays, there weren't quite as many good quality ones. Was that just me? Um, no, when, when, when you've got uh, a Rangers Celtic, Celtic Rangers like we have this weekend, and there'll probably be 40 cameras there. I don't know how many cameras Premier Sports would have had at Tyne Castle, but it wouldn't even been probably a quarter of that last night. So we, we get what we get. I just think it was harsh. I think we benefited from some some rather dubious yeah, penalty I mean, decisions. At best, you would say, certainly, the penalties we've been given have been soft, and we talked about that with the with the Cali Thistle one as well. But um, Whiten stepped up for it, and I'm going to assume this was agreed beforehand, and I guess a good decision to, to give him that opportunity to get off the mark after 24 games without a goal, but psychologically it can be tricky as well, you know, to you're that you're then expected to score even if you have gone a long time without a goal. Yeah, you don't got a better chance though from from twelve yards. Just watching the the Cowden Beef game again when we got the spot kick. Um Yeah, for I should have mentioned the, you, Jamie Walker obviously had that one. Yeah, so. yeah, at, at the end. I mean there was, because he scored one, why are you gonna give it away? Um goal bonuses, everything like that, if he scores which he didn't I just wondered if that would be a good time to... Because he knew that the game was over. Um, yeah, it was basically the last I think that was, that was going to be the last kick of the ball, yeah. Uh, but maybe, I mean, so he, here's the deal. If Jamie Walker scores that, okay, there's a bit more gloss on the scoreline, but that means that Craig Whiten doesn't take that penalty last night and therefore probably doesn't take the second penalty and Craig Whiten then gets, gets the one goal. So... Well, he might have because because Walker wasn't on the pitch at that point on on Tuesday, so so he might we, we won't we won't know. I do remember Robbie Nielsen in his first spell at Hearts was never never had this one set penalty taker. I think he was quite open about it, if I remember rightly, and um, often allowed the players to make the de- the decision on on who would do yeah, it, I'm, which can end like... which can end in problems. Sometimes we've seen in some teams players get upset if they don't get a penalty or the chance to take a penalty sometimes but who was it was it Chelsea was it Tammy Abraham a couple yeah, of weeks ago yeah it was uh, it was handed over to Jorginho, Jorginho. who'd already Duker. scored one yeah look Craig, Craig Wine's you're right about Jimmy Walker uh, Craig, Craig Wine's probably going to take that penalty um, regardless so because of, because of who was on the pitch at the time um, but it, it was soft there's, there's no getting away from yeah, that it was, a decent, it was a decent penalty I mean, it was a good penalty. Took it, it coolly into the right corner, and then um, we'll skip ahead to late in the first half, five minutes before half time. Second penalty, and I'm not going to lie, when I was commentating, I'd, I'd, I couldn't tell what he'd given it for. If initially, I thought there was just a slip by Benedictus, and I, I didn't see much in the challenge initially, and then it was a good challenge by Mendy, it looked like. Um, saw the replay. I'm still very sceptical there was much contact. Um, no, obviously no, Benedictus they're... slips. I thought the referee might be harsh and say that maybe Whiten had clipped Benedictus first of all, as they often do. Um, and if there is a touch, I don't think it's inside the box. I, I, I felt the second one was even more dubious from 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 the replays I could see on the screen. But I, I've seen some people disagree with that. What it was was a red card. Uh, if it was a, a foul, second. there is that point. Yeah, if he's given the foul for, for that, then yeah. yellow. For a second, yell. This was an easy one to... It's a difficult one for the referees because anything that happens outside the box, it can only be a penalty if it continues inside the box, if it's like a tug of the jersey, a continuation move. This wasn't. And you can easily marry up the two camera angles. It it didn't take long, or maybe three camera angles. Um, When you see the replay, you can... Like I did last night. I initially thought from one angle... Has he grabbed him with his arm uh, just on the line? That's what, that's what Jimmy angle. thought at the time. Yeah, yeah there's another angle and it's, it shows it wasn't. It should have been a free kick and a yellow card and a red card for, for Benedictus. Yeah, so uh, harsh on Wraith in some ways, but maybe lenient in, in others. <laughs> it might well, be worse yeah, but he, but, he, but here, here's the weird thing. Should Benedictus even have been booked? Um, was it even him? Because he was protesting his innocence that it wasn't him who the ball had hit for the first penalty in the second minute. He was the one that ended up being booked for that. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't see 
all of the game, what was Napier the referee like? Because it, from from the highlights that I saw, he looked a little bit over his depth. Certainly, the big decisions I would say. I you know I've, I said I saw the replay at the time of the first, and I thought I could see why he gave the first one. Some big calls he got wrong. There's also the Davidson stamp, but again, I mean, we're talking about the Davidson stamp. I didn't see that where from where I was, but again, I'm up at the back of the wheat field and I didn't see a replay of it. Um, you know, when obviously Eddie White gets extremely annoyed. At that the, should have been a red. Yeah, well, at the that time should've... I was like, I have to say, I was like, Eddie White seems to be, you know, it's getting a bit wound up for, for very little there, but I hadn't seen it. But when you see it, it's definitely a deliberate stamp. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what the referee's view of it was, though. Oh, the referee was only 10 yards away. Yeah, so he was right at it. He had, a, yeah. he had a perfect view. And that should that should have been a red card. Not the best. I mean, he's only had two top flight games. This is the first season he's got top flight games. So he got two Premiership games in August, um, first ever Hearts games. Not the best performance overall, and obviously some decisions both ways. I would imagine Ray Throwers will feel it's went more against them. Um, but in terms of the penalty, the second one it was given, and this is where the psychological side really comes into play again. Because I'm always interested to imagine what must be going through both the, the strikers and the goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, head. And the goalkeeper. As because well. it's almost like a, I'm, the keeper would be thinking, "I dare you try that, try that same side again," because that's where I'm going to go. And and White and went that way, and and Jamie McDonald guessed that that's what he would do, and it was just a good penalty, thankfully that he couldn't get to. Yes, and Craig White did what Harry Kane could not do. I saw um, someone say that, yeah. Beat, I didn't say that really. Um, beat Jamie McDonald. I always try and get that well. reference. He did it twice. Uh, I always try and get that reference in if I'm ever commentating on England or, or <laughs> <Yeah>. Spurs. Um, <laughs> great penalty from Harry Kane. Unfortunately, that's not what he did for uh, on his debut. When uh, you never mention the first leg, it's always important. You always you always talk Ignore about that. Great, yeah. great, great result for Hearts. Nil nil draw. White Hart Lane. One the only away team. Um, not to lose at White Hart Lane that season. I think it was Forget like, the was fact it not only them and five now. Was it not only like them and Liverpool who kept a clean sheet there in a space of a certain period or something? Um, <laughs> I can't remember. It was it was a bit of a stretch, but yeah. So two 0 yeah, at half time. Am I right in saying Kane went to Jamie's right, whereas Craig White yes, went to his left? He did. Yeah, so. Kane so. went to the left. So yeah, Jamie's right and saved by the goalkeeper. Like anything, I'm sure goalkeepers have got preferred sides. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a second penalty. Sometimes you get someone else taking it just because it's fresh. Other times you're like, okay. Um, but yeah, we went the same way. Good penalties. Yeah. So halftime 2 0, and certainly much more fluency in the play for Hearts. So I'll talk about it just now because it's at the break. And I thought, I think maybe it's because, or it certainly had an impact on it, was that Robbie freshened it up so much. And there was a few players in there with, I guess, not even necessarily a point to prove, but given an opportunity, and they will have known, a lot of those players will have known that as things stood going into the game, they were not first pick, but it was a chance for them to impress, and I thought, it was good to see Cochrane, because if you look at Harry Cochrane, um, he didn't play for Hearts, the senior team last season, so his last game for Hearts was um, at Pataudry two seasons ago on the 10th of May 2019, and um, although I thought actually McGill was maybe the, the better of them during the game. I thought he also had a good game and it was a terrific pass at one point. I don't know if you would have caught it on the highlights, but real defence splitting pass out to the right, which was just super. And it was just instinctive. He picked it up and just fired it for 40, 50 yards in behind the defence. And I think it's good because we forget that Harry Cochran's still a teenager. He's still 19 um, because yeah. he came in when he was 16. So I think the likes of Cochrane benefited from that opportunity. I think Stewart and goals looked pretty solid. You could question his positioning for the Wraith goal, which we'll get onto in a minute, but it was a pretty incredible strike. I thought he looked solid um, in terms of his handling and, and just general goalkeeping. Um, Kingsley came in and obviously a chance for him to do well. So I think overall, in the first half especially, we had a lot more fluency, a lot more rhythm about the team. Just a lot more purpose than I thought we'd looked like we'd had in the opening two games. Albeit, I think Inverness are a better team and will be a better team than Wraith Rovers. Um, second half, though, obviously, they do get a goal back. Manny Duku. Um, cracker, as well, from the big Dutchman. Out of the blue, completely. 
I've actually, well, we've been chatting over the last half hour or so. I've been looking him up, um, and it's, it's quite the career. <laughs> Bit of a journeyman. He's, he's, the, he's the journeyman's journeyman. Yeah. Ten clubs, I think some, I counted in the last five yeah, years. There was something there. There was one season, 17-18, 33 goals in 39 games for Hayes and Yedding. That got my move to League Two and Cheltenham Town. Um, he stood out at that level. I mean, maybe Championship League One in Scotland is, is his level, but there's something there. Yeah. And there's pace. It's a, it's a really good finish. I, I just wonder if you were to... I wonder if someone like Robbo or a, a manager or a, a coach who's been a top striker in their day and took him under their wings. I, I could see that as, as maybe a move. Um, I mean, I think over the last year or two, we've seen players, we used to kind of, or not we, but others turned their nose up. If you weren't doing it in the top flight in Scotland, then we're not prepared to take the chance on you. But we've seen Lawrence Shankland move, mm-hmm. and there was question marks, can he do it in the Premier League or Premiership? And now he's, he's a Scotland international, Kevin Nisbet. Um, cost, I think, quarter of a million from Dunfermline, joined Hibs. Now they're talking about a potential Scotland call-up for him. So uh, there are some that work, there are many that don't. And remember, I think I've told you the story before, I was chatting with, with Craig Levine prior to the Birker Carrick game over in Malta. Um, I think it was that game, it was either that or the Estonia game, and we were talking about I think, Farid El Alagui. Um, yeah. who was scoring plenty in, the, in League One, didn't he? For in League One, I think it was, yeah, but um, Craig wasn't convinced by him and then ultimately it, it didn't work, so he, he got that one right. With someone like him, I, I, his next move, Dooku, is, is not going to be a Premier League team, um, but I think someone like a, an Inverness Caledonian Thistle working under Robbo, and you know what, it might work. It's but, less than one game though, I mean, we don't want to... No, no, I'm all you can do is, is you, you get the opportunity, you've got to take it. Is, all it takes is someone watching on Premier Sports last night and go, all right, okay, send a scout, you just keep tabs, and, and you never know. Maybe he's, maybe he's at his level, maybe he's above his level, maybe he's, he's still got levels to, to climb. Um, I wouldn't take him for hearts right now, but I'd monitor him. That's, that's what you have to do. That's, that's what scouts do. He'd go in the notebook. And he'd be like, he's in okay, your black book. He's in the book, just to keep he's tabs on. Okay. Six foot three, quick, powerful, strong, good touch. Okay. Use um, agent now, are you? To be arranged. But <laughs> those clubs, goodness. Um, um, <laughs> great strike, and obviously made um, the second half um, a bit more interesting from a neutral and a Harry Throvers perspective. Um, the rhythm came out of Hearts play a bit, and it wasn't helped, I suppose, by all the substitutions. Five in total, Roberts, Lee, Popescu, Ginelli, Walker, all coming on. Maybe slightly concerning that the more um, senior, you might say, the, the first pick players didn't especially um, help Hearts on. Uh, there was a penalty claim again, and this, I suppose, where Wraith will maybe feel hard done by that this one wasn't given, albeit I think it would have been very harsh if it was given against Kingsley. For me, it was a no, but... Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Okay, that's fine. We'll move on. Um, but the big moment, three minutes ago, and Craig Whiten puts the game to bed. And this is the one, like you say, this is the real confidence booster. This is the one that I suppose we'll hope will really release Whiten because it's not a penalty. It's not a tap-in. He picks it up in his own half. It's a little break, but he's in his own half. And fair enough, there's only one player between him um, and the goal, but I don't think you can underestimate having to carry the ball that 60, 70 yards at pace, take on um, Davidson, goes one way then the other, and then finish it so well on his weaker foot. It, it was just a terrific goal, and it's a, you, know, you put another striker in that position, it's a goal that any striker is going to be really pleased with. Super, super goal, super finish, and as I said right at the start, it's it's something that that he can look back on that and go, you know what? It wasn't just two penalties. Um, and I start him. I have to say, I start him against Dundee. There's there's, there's a lot of narratives there. There's a I've just scored a hat trick narrative. Um, I'll be flying or should be because that, I think the biggest thing here is is his lack of belief in in his own ability. Because we've been like, where is this ability? Yeah. Um, the other part of the narrative is the old former club narrative. He's playing his old club. Yeah, you're jumping ahead so, again, but yeah. 
but come on now, you. I mean, it's <laughs> it's relevant. I know it's relevant. It is. You've asked me about a goal, and I've jumped ahead to a game that's a few days away. I I, I start them. Um, we'll get to who we would play and who would miss out later. I do believe when we focus on on the Dundee game. But if we are starting them, someone's going to miss out. Well, Robbie Nielsen said after the game, I'll, I'll quote, um, he's given me a decision for a Friday night. That's what I asked from him, with Boise away on international duty, and he's done that. So certainly, he's obviously now a decision for Robbie to make. And on the hat-trick itself, it was a few people mentioned, it's like, Christ, Hearts players scoring hat-tricks. It's actually, um, let's have a look at it, it's the only the second hat-trick that uh, a Hearts player scored in more than five years, the last being Naismith against St Mirren in 2018, a 4-1 win. We had Zayfauk before that in 2015, Keatings against Wraith, Stevenson against Kilmarnock, a couple of hat-tricks for Skatchel against St Mirren in 2010 and 2012. Here's one for you, see if you remember this, because you probably would have commentated on it for Hearts at the time. The last League Cup hat-trick. Who scored it for Hearts? I don't know. Would it be one of the early round games? It was It was an early round game, yeah. I don't know. Who was it? September 2006. Away to Alloa. We, we'll hope that Craig Whiten becomes more memorable than, than this player. Yuho Michaela. Indeed, yes. Yeah, you, I... Yuho Mac... Was it Makala? Oh, it was called many things that were nothing to do with his surname. Usually, <laughs> usually followed by towing a caravan. Uh, he was um, finished. <laughs> yeah, was that that game? Did we do commentary? I don't know. I don't know because you know what it's like, and you'll find this out having well, you already know having been through the championship um, yeah. and trying to find um, ISDN lines. <laughs> find an internet connection. Into. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I'd, was that two thousand and six? Did you say? Yes, would have been, wouldn't it? Um, I doubt Recreation Park in Alloa. I think I did phone reports, I believe, that day because I, I can't recall where we would so-called plug in our equipment. Um, it's, it's it's not like there's a huge press box in the Stade de Recreation. I guess with one of the other big things, big positives, Peter Haring, first start in 507 yeah. days. Plays Correct. ninety minutes and looked pretty composed in a in a central defensive position, the original position that we signed him for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, just slowly, slow build up. Um, does he start this weekend? Probably not. How long did he get? Peter Haring. Uh, well, see, the interesting thing is, having watched the highlights um, and the little clips on the Premier Sport Twitter account, it also contained the pre-match thoughts of. Of Robbie Nielsen and Robbie's like, yeah, we'll, we'll give him forty-five or or maybe max sixty. He played ninety, um, and he so had that, five subs to use as well. Yeah, so that look, Peter would have decided. It would have, it would have been up, left up to him with that, totally up to him. And he's obviously said at halftime, yeah, I'm, I feel all right um, because they switched, didn't they? They switched to a back four. Yeah, in Popescu, the second half, Popescu came on as well mm-hmm. to make it more yeah. natural central defence. Yeah. And I don't know if that was so, because. Maybe Wraith getting a go back changed it, and he thought he didn't want maybe. to he didn't want to risk losing a player who was maybe holding the main player at the back at that point in the match. Possibly, but the decision was ultimately going to be left up to Peter Harry. Oh yeah, he's he clearly, do it, he's he clearly felt okay. Yet. He's not. Gonna, I doubt he's going to start. You, you're not playing him for ninety when you were only thinking you were getting forty-five or sixty. That's according to Robbie pre-match um, on a Tuesday. You're not. You're not playing 90, having been out for that long, and then starting again on, on Friday. So I think we know that he'll be on the bench come Friday, but that, that'll do him the, the power of good. By the way, Robbie Nielsen, I read a tweet this morning, uh, unbeaten in competitive games as Hearts manager for 1,449 days. Not bad going. Aye, it's not been there for much of them, but never mind. Okay, coming up on Friday night, Hearts uh, return to league action as they start their championship campaign in a a tasty fixture in the Betfred in the championship against Dundee in the league. I should just should have I said that. Um, <laughs> Robbie Nielsen said the Betfred Cup games were just a warm up for the league. So this is 
This is where the real business starts. Uh, so Hearts, three wins from three. Dundee, technically two wins from two, although one of them was uh, a victory awarded to them over Forfar. Uh, and then that was followed by a 2-0 win away to Brora Rangers on Saturday. Way up in the north that Mark was finding out when he looked at Google Maps before the podcast. Um, I have a quick look at Dundee. So they made a few signings in the uh, prolonged transfer window. Lee Ashcroft in from Dunfermline, Danny Mullen from St Mirren, Alex uh, Yakubiak from Watford, who was previously on loan from St Mirren, Nicholas Hamilton, Jonathan uh, Afolabi from Celtic, as per their voting agreement with Celtic from a few <laughs> months ago. Um, the first of a stream. The first of a stream, which was obviously contracted back in, was it was it April or so? Um, Feels like forever ago. And a notable return for a 34-year-old Charlie Adam, Dundee-born, and with them as a youth, but uh, left before breaking into the senior side. So if we look at the Dundee team, loads of experience in the middle of the park. You've got Charlie Adam, as I mentioned, you've got Graham Dorans, Paul McGowan. Uh, looked like from the reports that opened that he played a back three against Brora, James McPake, former Hibsman, yeah. Jordan Forster in there, ex-Hearts. Jordan McGee. Um, other end of the park, interestingly, Danny Mullen uh, scored against Broda, did well for Livy before moving to Saints last season. Scored at Tynecastle, only got four in the top flight though, but a decent striker at championship level. Um, so a lot of experience in that Dundee team, and we'll see from the end of last season, they finished third and, and James McPaik managed to have them very defensively solid at the end of the campaign. They had five consecutive clean sheets to end the season and were unbeaten in six. So this could be a tricky one because Robbie Nielsen's highlighted the fact that you know they struggled against the likes of Cowden Beef and Inverness to an extent trying to break teams down. You'd imagine Dundee, albeit um, a better side than Cowden Beef, will come to will come to Tynecastle and they'll look to try and continue that defensive solidity, I suppose, because that's now six games they've played when they've actually played um, without uh, without conceding a goal, if you include the Barora match. I, I may change my mind about something I said two or three minutes ago regarding okay. Peter Haring. Okay. Um, and I had him down as a sub because he's just played 90 minutes. And and I still think that's the most likely thing. However, I'm going to take you back to when Robbie Nielsen appeared on our podcast. That was before any of the Betfred Cup games. Mm-hmm. This Dundee game, is it's the one on the calendar that's got a big red circle around the date. This is the one for him. He doesn't just want to win this one. He wants to put a marker down. Um, this he'll, is... be, he'll be aware of the importance the oh, fans hugely. will put on this. because H- Hugely. Dundee is really the, I guess, the grudge match, as I, I said at yes. the start of the show. A little bit of animosity with Wraith and some of it justified. And obviously they were drawn into things because of the legal battle and comments from certain people associated with the club were ill-advised but the Dundee one I suppose is the one that bears the the biggest grudge because this goes back to and we had a little joke about it not too long ago um, the voting fiasco in Dundee changing their mind and changing their vote or a vote mysteriously disappearing which ultimately relegated Hearts and relegated Park Thistle and Stranraer and caused the fallout in Scottish football so um, this is a big one. And I think Robbie will be aware, and you know, he suggested he's aware of that, that Hearts fans will feel that they're after revenge in this one. And it will do, I guess, the fans the world of good. It will do the atmosphere the world of good. And I know sometimes that atmosphere isn't so tangible because there aren't people in the stadium. But it's still there. It's just mm-hmm. remote. And I think Robbie Nielsen's aware of that. He is, definitely. And the reason I mentioned Peter Haring... Um, I think Robbie will find out how he's feeling, first of all, um, because Robbie Nielsen's wanting as many characters as possible in, in his team. By characters, I mean strength, strong-willed, strong-minded. Um, he, he doesn't want weak. Uh, not not that he's he's got them, um, but he, he, he wants like kind of angry mentality. We've got to win that, but sensible. So that's why I, th- I think you'll see a, a lineup on on Friday. I s- I'll, I'll still be surprised. I'll be surprised if, if Haring starts. However, I think um, the spine of the team will be 
pretty experienced, and I, I think he'll he'll name as strong a lineup as as, as available. Do you want me to I give know... you? Do you want to give you? I wrote I actually wrote down a team. Do you want me to give you and see if it's yeah? Just, thought, before, or... just before you give me, a, the, the more I talk about this, the more I think that Naismith starts. They find a place for him. If if White and starts, they'll they'll play Naismith as well. They're not leaving Naismith out. He he he's his leader on the pitch. And this is a game that he he needs the the leadership skills of as many players as possible. So I think this is like a puzzle for us trying to predict. So I'm I'm intrigued to find out what what you've gone and gone with. I've gone four two three one. Craig Gordon and goals. Michael Smith at right back. So does that mean Boyce can play as well? Boyce and Smith, as things stand, will be available unless something changes. They're playing tonight. Oh, um, of at, at the time of recording, if something happens, I don't. But Ooh. as things stand. They'll be available. So Michael Smith right, Stephen Kingsley left. Yep. Halkett and Popescu in the middle. Yep. Haring and Irving sitting. Mm-hmm. Janelli right, Walker ten. Mm. Left, I've put Freer slash Roberts because I can't decide because Freer's proven to have good delivery, but his overall contribution beyond that, I'm not convinced on. Roberts, I'm also not convinced on but um, has maybe offered a little bit more. I wouldn't say I'm convinced on either of them yet. And up front, I've put White in. And that's purely based on what happened on Tuesday against Wraith. Scoring that third goal, getting the hat-trick. I don't think Robbie can justify dropping him um, after doing that. And as you mentioned as well, Dundee born, Dundee fan, scored the goal that relegated United in 2016. Sometimes that... That just spurs players on as well to do it again, even though it's not a club that he'll have any animosity towards. It's his club that he, he grew up supporting. But sometimes that just works for players as well. Ultimately, I just don't think you can drop a player who scores a hat-trick for a player who hasn't been doing it recently. I, I know he's a captain. I know he's seen as a leader at times. But that would be my thinking, and that would be my team. Okay, I'm putting my team together here. Okay. <laughs> so, I... I wonder if he's going to go three at the back. So, so I'm, I'm not trying to second guess him. I'm, this is what I would maybe do before I change it and have 20 different lineups. Um, a back three of Smith, Popescu and Halkett. Okay. I'm going with a defender on one side as a wing back and an attacker on the other. I'm going for Janelli on the right. I'm going for Kingsley on the left. And I'm going for Halliday and Irving with Walker just in front. Um, Then I'm going Naismith, and I'm going Whiten. Now, who have I missed out? There must be some of... of, I mean, I'm not fussed just now for um, Freer, or for... um, Who's the other guy that played against him? Roberts. I'm not interested in Lee right now. Uh, I've got my win through Janelli. I've got Kingsley getting forward. I think his experience... I think that you've got a spine of the team, um, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Um, that is with Haring playing ninety and probably not starting, so that would be my lineup for 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 this one. If if Haring starts, I'm taking out one of White and or Naismith, and I'm playing Walker as a a, a one off with one up. So Gordon and Goldsmith, Popescu and Halkett, Janelli, Halliday, Walker, Irving and Kingsley, Naismith and Whiten in a 3-5-2. Okay. It's different from yours. Is that what you would play or what you think, Rob? I don't know. Play? It's just what I've made up right now. <laughs> okay. No, because they play three. They play three. And I'm looking at their... Looking at their lineup, I want to push their two wing backs back the way. I want to make them a back five, and then I think we can get control of the midfield because that's going to be important. They're going to have three central in that midfield by all likelihood, and they'll probably McGowan kind of can can even get back in there as well. That's going to be congested. My concern if we go four, um, no, we're not going to play four four two because you don't you don't kind of work on a four two three one or a three five two like we have done and we've played so far. If you're going to totally change it, because you should be using. <laughs> Did we not do that last the... season? <laughs> of course, Robbie. That wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't Robbie. And I know, but no. This is this is a big one because he, he's come out and said how important it is. We know how important it is. Um, you had your very enthusiastic and um, your predictions last week, which were, uh, I thought, 
very generous towards what you think Hearts will do. Oh, I'm going to do uh, it again. You're going to change? No, I'm going to be very generous with what I think Hearts are going to do on Friday. I've put a prediction. I've put a prediction in a first scorer. Okay, let's hear it. 3 0 Hearts, White in first scorer. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna go for the jugular. I think they will as well. I think there'll be a couple of goals in it. It's famous last words it. when it's a woeful nil-nil draw. Yeah, but he's got a set of marker. I think the fact that he, he rested so many players suggests he's got a, he, he's got a real focus on this game on Friday. I think he knows the importance, and you want you, you want to set the precedent. You want to set a marker, like you say. There's some bad blood. Robbie will be aware of the importance of this game for numerous reasons. Um, I think I think we'll go for it. I think it'll be effective. I think I think it'll work. And I think what kind of reception? Will... What kind of reception do you think Osman Soul get when he comes on? Well, from the empty stands. There you go. I was wondering if you'd bite there, but you didn't. You're on top of it. Very good. It'll be a muted reception, won't it? Well, Scott Wilson's got control of the of the sound effects, so maybe he's got oh, a. Maybe it's got some whistling and booing sounds in there. Mm. I don't know. Got to, got to get off to a good start. Got to okay, set, what, what, okay, what's your score and first scorer then? Go. A couple, couple of goals. 2-0? Um, 2-0. Two nil. Two, two nil. Two, two nil or 3-1. Um, again, it's hard because until I see the team, I would be more confident know, making a prediction. I'm, right, I'm right not asking I, you to put your mortgage on it. I'm just... No, hearts by a couple. Who's going to score I'd first? Love, I'd love, a, I'd love to, to score first. Uh, Jamie Walker Jamie playing Walker. in a more central role. Yep. Okay. There we go. Fine. Good stuff. Well, I take either of those score lines. I'll take one. So would I. You know. Yeah. Let's hope it's a good one. An own an own goal off Charlie Adams' bum. Yeah. That would be nice as well. Right. I think that's about it for this week. Um, intre- it's kind of a novelty, isn't it, to actually have previewing um, a league game to, to actually spend the podcast talking about two games that have been played and looking ahead to a game yeah yeah it is with without having to dredge up stuff it's like, how are we going to fill six months of no football we've been doing this since march <laughs> every single week without a single game to look back on up until the last week or so, we so it's, it's been it's been great well we, we need to think about homework in six weeks time what we're going to have yeah, do, do you want to bother with homework just now? We'll have another no, game to talk no. about. No? No. Okay. Just no. enjoy enjoy it and make sure you, you all head down to Blackpool oh, on um, Friday afternoon to, to watch the game or Carlisle or, or whatever. Honestly. <sighs> oh, we should make Celtic Rangers on free-to-air TV so that there's no trouble. Oh, Is that Mark from 1996 again? I know, right? It's an old firm <laughs> weekend. Everything revolves around them. No, it doesn't. It revolves around Hearts and Dundee. Friday night. That's football. the big one. That's the big oh, one. That's the proper right grudge on. match. Forget your old firm hey, stuff. This is on. where the this is where the real beef will be. In yeah, Gorgie. that's the foreplay. Yeah. The Rangers Celtics the the foreplay. Even though it comes after, it's the <laughs> I was foreplay. Say, do you know how that usually works? Four, but <laughs> anyway. Okay, we won't oh, go down that route. Thank no, you for tuning in. No. Um, we'll be back next week on, to Hearts. talk about Hearts' thumping win. Over those, uh, that dirty Dundee lot, the, um, the skullduggery that went on will be put to bed finally at Tynecastle on Friday night. We hope. Um, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.